Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. Welcome into the Hat Soil Health Podcast. I am Eric Pfeiffer. Glad to have you along. And today we're going to answer the question, you know, most of us are aware that soil amendments like fertilizers, compost, and manure can directly influence crop growth through the nutrients they supply. But they also influence the entire soil ecosystem, including the many microbes that call soil home. So the question is, can vegetable growers choose specific soil amendments to promote microbes that will improve soil health and lead to healthier, more productive crops? And that's what we're here to answer today, and I've got a couple of experts here to do it. And let's first welcome in Dr. Lori Hoagland, the Associate Professor of Agroecology and Soil Microbial Ecology at the Department of Horticulture and Landscape Architecture at Purdue University. It's a long title, Lori. What all does that mean? Oh, um, so it's nice to be here. Thank you. Um, I lead a research program where we're investigating various ways of how soil and crop management practices can alter soil and plant microbial communities that help plants obtain nutrients and water, fight pests, and improve the nutritional quality and safety of produce. Um, So some of that we do here at the university, but we also like to collaborate whenever we can with farmers like Dan um, to answer questions that'll help us learn about the science, but also um, help um, agriculturalists like Dan to be more profitable and sustainable. You mentioned Dan and the farmer, and that's uh, our next guest, Dan Perkins with Perkins Good Earth Farm in DeMott, Indiana. And uh, Dan, I want to plug your website here, PerkinsGoodEarthFarm.com is where folks can find you. And give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, And I love talking to other farmers, even if I can't see them in these strange times. Um, So I own and operate Perkins Good Earth Farm with my wife. Um, She is definitely more of the farm than me. If you've looked at the website, I have the easy part of just growing the stuff. Uh, We feed about 140 families every week for most of the year now um, through a CSA model. We also have a farm store uh, that's open to the public and we have a couple wholesale accounts and we are certified organic. Uh, That's just our, the way we approach things. Um, But I previously, in my previous life worked as a CCA um, across Indiana in the Midwest, working with corn and bean growers, mostly uh, incorporating cover crops into their systems. So I I know a lot about vegetables, but I'm also familiar with the wider corn and bean world too. Very good. Well, we're we're very happy to have you both with us today. And Lori, I want to start with you. Can you give us a definition of the soil microbiome and why we should care about it? Sure. Um, I define the soil microbiome as the abundant and dynamic assortment of various bacteria, fungi, archaea, um, 
small microorganisms that you can't see with the human eye that live in soil and they carry out a number of really important functions both for ecosystem health as well as agricultural systems such as cycling nutrients to make them available for plants, sequestering carbon in the soil, um, detoxifying nutrients and helping pet or plants to fight pests and withstand other stresses like water or heat. I, I view it as the invisible part of the soil. It's the part that us as farmers, it's the hardest to kind of wrap our heads around and to see how our management practices are influencing. But the way I look at it is the microbiome is, in terms of management on the farm, relates directly to like the quality of the produce, um, its vegetables particularly, or the way the plants resist disease, it's all connected back to how that microbiome, whether it's healthy or not, um, that's that's kind of how I see it. So, Lori, what are some of the ways to characterize the microbiome that lead us to recognize one field as having a good or healthy one and another as having a bad or unhealthy one? I think in going back to what Dan just said, you can tell a lot about the health of your soil, the microbial communities that are in there just by looking at the health of your plants. Um, if you have plants that are poor to germinate, maybe, or you, you bring in transplants and they die off, you have plants that are looking really deficient in nutrients and susceptible um, to diseases or insect pests, that can be a good indication that maybe there's something off with your soil microbial community. And so that's a good place to start. Um, there are also a number of labs, um, soil testing labs that growers can look to that offer soil health tests. Um, and so within some of those soil health tests, there are things, um, tests that they can do to look at things like microbial activity or different groups that could also give an indication of the, the health of your soil microbiome. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good way to talk about it in terms of some tests you can pull. But one way I look at is how fast is my residue cycling? Um, because if the microbiome's healthy, your residue is going to be cycled faster. Um, and I think for me as well, the soil is going to smell good. Um, it's going to smell aerobic as opposed to anaerobic. Um, I think soil microbiome is connected to how your soil aggregates or the tilth of the soil. Um, so whether it looks like coffee grounds or it's all flat and smooth and sealed over, um, that's, that gets problematic um, if, and is connected to the microbiome as I'm learning and understanding. So Dan, how would you characterize the microbes in your farm fields? Uh, well, I mean, being certified organic, I'm a little biased. I think I, I have to, my micro, microbiome has to be good because I can't just supplement in something that's synthetic. That's a nice option to have in the conventional world, but I simply don't have that option if I'm going to, you know, maintain my certification and what my customers want. So really, what our customers value is really high quality tasting food. And so how I deliver that is through healthy soil. Um, and so, you know, like I talked before, characteristics are my residues breaking down fast, but not too fast. Uh, my soil smells good. It has good tilt. Um, I don't have 
you know, disease outbreaks or um, pest outbreaks in the soil. Um, I, generally, it's a balanced system. So, Lori, what's an example of a beneficial microorganism that's interesting to you? Yeah, well, I think one of the most kind of well-studied beneficial microbe um, that we talk about in soil often is our vascular mycorrhizal fungi, which actually describes a symbiotic relationship with plants and certain types of fungi within a, the Basidiomycota family. Um, and so these are an ancient symbioses that as plants evolved and came out of water, they formed these associations. And so these, uh, through these associations, the fungi explore the soil profile um, and help plants obtain nutrients, um, particularly phosphorus, as well as some micronutrients like iron and zinc. They can also help with nitrogen. Um, they help plants acquire water um, in stressful conditions, and they can also play a role um, in helping plants to fight um, pests, diseases, and insect pests and things like that. Yeah, and, that, and that's really what got interested in working with Lori, uh, Dr. Hoagland, over the last couple of years is because, you know, some of these composts or soil amendments that you can add, like, how do you know if they're the right thing for your soil and in your, what the crops are growing? Um, you know, how, how do we make good decisions in that regard? Uh, and so th th we kind of teamed up on a specific project looking at um, compost. Well, go ahead and tell me about that research project that you're working on together and what prompted it. Um, yeah, so I can jump in here. Um, one of the, the areas that I work with, um, and I, I teach a course actually in urban agriculture, which is something that's um, growing rapidly here in the U.S., especially with COVID and people staying home. People are more interested in, in gardening as well as community organizations um, growing food within the city. Um, but one of the biggest challenges with urban agriculture is that soils can be really degraded. Um, whenever we have new housing developments, we often you know, scrape off the top healthy layer of soil and maybe what comes back isn't as healthy or you can have a former building site where soils are really um, compacted. And so we were looking for ways, quick ways to regenerate um, soil quality um, in these urban ag systems. And so I knew Dan had been working with um, a project looking at using um, leaf waste from the city. And so we were very interested in that as an amendment because it brings lots of carbon, which is what microbes need to thrive and, and perform all their functions that are, are good for the the ecosystem and the environment, but it also has lower concentrations of phosphorus, which is something that if you add too much compost to soil, sometimes you can get an enrichment of phosphorus, which can cause some problems. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what was my driving question is, you know, manure-based compost um, for our intensive-based vegetable production, our phosphorus levels were just getting higher and higher. And, you know, I want to balance soil and so I started to explore, okay, what's for free in terms of a resource because I need to build up my soils, uh, organic matter. Um, and the local town here near us, they have a leaf collection program. And they were looking for a place to put it. And I'm like, well, what if I start, you know, very minimally um, stockpiling the leaves, not really, not managing them like a compost operation would, but just let them sit, turn once a year and then use them in year three or four. So I started that process and, you know, that gives, gave me a, a really good based carbon source 
and a base for my fertility without high levels of phosphorus in it. Um, I farm very sandy soil, you know, it's like beach sand. And so organic matter, water holding capacity are really key to get, you know, production of vegetables. And so this, this amendment, um, this leaf, I, I guess I call it a leaf mold more than I do compost, um, has given me that uh, at a really affordable price. Um, and, and that re relates directly to urban agriculture, but also even uh, other agricultural areas too. So Dan, will you make any changes in farm practices based on what you've learned and, and what's the next step? Well, some of the early research and Lori can give more specifics. I mean, when I look at the research results of what um, yields and connections to um, the microbiome that this leaf compost or this leaf mold is giving me, um, it gave them higher yields. I already believed it because I saw it already. Mm -hmm. They're just putting numbers on it, right? And looking at the specific organisms that are connected. Um, so it just makes me, it confirms that I'm heading down the right track and that I'll able to farm this land, you know, for as long as I'm alive and, you know, hopefully hand it on to the next generation um, with using a readily available resource. Um, and, and that's, that's pretty exciting because that's, that's sustainable um, for the long term run. Uh, so Lori, what is the next step with the research? Yeah, well, we've been really excited about the results. Actually, I mean, the what we've seen is shocking um, in in how much the plants have benefited um, from having this addition of this compost. Um, and I just want to go back quickly also to that issue of phosphorus and how some you know animal-based composts, as um, Dan pointed out, can enrich soil and phosphorus. And one of one of the problems with that is that if you get too much phosphorus in soil. Um, it can inhibit the uptake of some micronutrients like um, zinc and iron to plants, but it can also cause plants to maybe not take the time or resources and energy to form associations with beneficial microbes like our vascular mycorrhizal fungi. So when they have a lot of phosphorus, um, the plants might not form those associations and then so the plants aren't getting the benefits. So, We've been, you know, as Dan said, putting numbers on how much we can actually boost the, the health of the plants, the survival of transplants when they go into the field, um, how they're resisting disease, but also learning a lot more about what's happening with the soil microbiome. We're just beginning to really kind of understand what this all means because of new tools. And so we can see and look at how specific um, microbes that we know are really interesting, like our vascular mycorrhizal fungi, survive based on these different practices. And then we're also working with um, another beneficial fungus. It's a trichoderma um, that we know it's in a lot of products. And in the greenhouse, it works really well in helping plants, like boosting their immune systems to fight disease. But oftentimes when we go out to the field with these amendments, it's the success, their survival, um, and what they do are, are really variable. And so we're combining some of that research with these soil amendments to see how we can kind of bring all of these beneficial relationships together and better support um, agriculturalists like Dan. Yeah, and, and I really appreciate that, uh, those specifics, because, you know, as most farmers know, you know, we're, we're asked 
to buy these bugs in a jug and promised great wonderful things um, which may be true or it may might not be um, and so just trying to sort through what's good and what's bad and um, what is actually effective you know on on my farm um, and taking that information and sharing it more broadly is is something i really value and and then getting out of this project you're listening to the hat soil health podcast it's brought to you by the conservation cropping systems initiative you can find more about their programs and also a schedule of events at ccsin.org i'm eric pfeiffer and i'm with dr Lori hoagland and dan perkins dan with perkins good earth farm and Dr. Hoagland with Purdue University. And you talked about what's good and what's bad. Let's talk about some of those aspects that could be bad. Uh, are there aspects of soil that could harm microbes? Um, well, fortunately, there, yeah, there are aspects of soil that can harm the beneficial microbes that we're interested in, um, like compacted soil and, you know, soil that doesn't have a lot of fresh carbon in it. But there are also bad microorganisms that live in soil, like soilborne pathogens, as well as even um, human enteric pathogens that can survive in soil and attach to plants and negatively infect plants as well as humans. Yeah, and, and my job as a farmer is to do all I can within my management, you know, wheelhouse to favor the good guys so that they can defeat the bad guys. That's really simplistic, but in a way, if I can provide the right food and the habitat for the cycle, soil microbiome to be balanced and to thrive, um, I, can, I can win that battle. Um, so... You know how that looks for us is we do very little soil disturbance we have a kind of a permanent bed system we have controlled traffic in terms of where our tractors and wheels and where the weight is going so that we don't com get compaction um so the aspects of soil that could harm microbes are are really if you mismanage your soil um, then you're going to harm your microbes so i just make sure i don't harm my soil and assume the rest is is good to go um, based on some of the other things we've we've talked about. Dan, I'll, I'll start with you on this one, and, and Laura, if you want to chime in, but for vegetable growers who want to encourage healthy soil microbes, what first step would you recommend? I mean, I think one of the things is just learn about what microbes um, are doing in your soil for you. You know, if you're, if you're having nutrient deficiencies in your plants, don't just think about, oh, I'm going to spray a foliar or I'm going to add this um, infero application of this, you know, zinc. Think more broadly and ask yourself why. I try to ask myself why five times something's happened, happening in my plants. And, and generally, if you can step back from the. And from thinking about products and thinking more about processes and biology you can begin to um, get a better sense in it and clue in to what's really going on in your soil. Um, so that's, that's one approach I use. Yeah, so I would say, first of all, you know, don't treat your soil like dirt. Um, as soil scientists, we often like to joke, you know, dirt is something that's under your fingernails or on the bottom of your shoe, but soil is a living breathing mini ecosystem. And so realizing that it is alive and it's doing all of these great services um, for 
the health of the, the environment as well as your plants, that's a, a great start. Um, and then remembering that, you know, like plants are nutrient limited, but all these microbes that are living in soil and doing great things are carbon limited. And so we, anytime you start working with soil and tilling it, you're gonna be degrading some of that carbon. And so you need to replenish that in any way you can. And so, um, you know, another thing we like to say is always keep the soil covered. So one of a great way to get active carbon into your soil is through living roots of having plants there, not just your vegetables, but also thinking about cover crops and diverse cover crop mixtures and adding um, good amendments like healthy, um, well decomposed compost. Yeah, I, I think diversity is a big one there. You know, being a vegetable farm, we have lots of different plants. Um, and being a diverse vegetable farm, we, we get diversity just by the nature of crops we grow. Um, so I think that benefits us, benefits us quite a bit. We have different root exudates um, from different, you know, brassicas versus a tomato versus a beet versus um, other, you know, melon crops. And that, that combined with cover crops and reducing our tillage and adding carbon like this leaf compost, leaf mold stuff. Um, I, th I think we're, we're doing something right. Dan, you talked about learning and needing to learn about it before you really jump in here. What are some good resources you've found to continue learning about soil microbes and soil health and vegetable farming? Sure. I, I think for the, you know, the, the practical farmer, you know, some of the podcasts like this, um, and some of the other ones out there, the no-till growers um, from Farmer Jesse, uh, that's particularly tailored to, you know, small-scale, diverse farms, you know, market gardeners, that kind of stuff. Um, that's, that's really fantastic because he interviews a number of, you know, leading experts like Dr. Hoagland. Um, she has to get on there yet, but other, other people across um, the U.S. and applies it to that actual farm and, and what people are using um, in this industry. Um, you know, the Organic Revolution uh, by Andrew Metford is a really great book that covers all sorts of different farms across the U.S. and what they're doing um, in terms of their practices and how they're looking at soil and soil health. Um, so it just really gives you a different perspective um, and brings bring some things home. I've learned a lot from those podcasts and um, just, yeah, feel like we're all moving in the same direction uh, because of resources like that. Yeah, and for me, I guess I learn from a lot of places, but probably one of the places I learn the most is from farmers like Dan, like going and visiting them and seeing some of the things that they're doing um, that are do seem to be working. And that's, you know, gives me ideas, my students and I on ways that we can, learn more in our research projects. Um, I think there's also a lot of great resources out there um, that have been vetted by scientists that can offer farmers a lot of great information, um, like the ATRA, the Appropriate Technology Transfer for Rural Areas, as well as eOrganic, um, which is a, an online resource that has a lot of great resources available for farmers, short publications that and videos that they can watch and learn about, um, as well as um, webinars that my colleagues and I have done um, to help growers think about soil health and how to manage it and soil microbiomes. 
And then lastly, I would just point out there's a great book um, if people really want to learn more about microbes and how they work in soil and why they're important and also the parallels of that with our human body. We're often, you know, there's a lot in the news about the human microbiome and how that influences things like our, our mood and our appetite. And, and it's called The Hidden Half of Nature um, by David Montgomery and Ann Bilke that just do a wonderful job of um, explaining all these, this diversity and what it can do for us. And Laura, you mentioned learning from farmers, and I assume, uh, you know, Dan, one, one thing that I've learned from doing this podcast is if you find a farmer who is passionate about soil health, they don't tend to shy away from it. If, if someone were to reach out to you uh, via PerkinsGoodEarthFarm.com and said, hey, I want to talk to you about soil health, I bet you wouldn't turn them away. Nope. We have lots of people. I, I'd say once a week someone shows up out of the blue sometimes, um, but usually a, a day or two notice and... I can I can take 20 30 minutes um, and and show them show them what at least what we're doing and what we're seeing I'm I'm always glad to do that as are many other farmers who are doing some similar things just reach out to somebody you know who's kind of in the space and and, and in that uh, that arena it's uh, certainly good to do that if you know somebody who can so uh, Dan thank you so much for joining us today Lori thank you uh, as well for this conversation around soil microbiomes and and how we can improve soil health here on the Soil Health Podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. And that does it for this edition of the Hat Soil Health Podcast presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. Learn more about them and their programs at ccsin.org. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This has been a presentation of Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.